On this week's Adam Schefter Podcast, it's week 11 of the NFL season, and we're going to go back and relive a moment from week 10 with the Raiders safety Eric Harris, who intercepted two passes on the first two drives of the game and put his name into the history books, but has a story that goes well beyond that. And we'll break down week 11, the matchup between Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson and Tom Brady and the Philadelphia Eagles with ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan. And we'll take your Ask Adam questions. Some great questions this week. But first, a conversation with a man with a great story. The Raiders safety, Eric Harris. All right, joining us now, the man who last week became the second player in the last 15 seasons with two interceptions, including a pick six on the first two drives of the game, Raiders safety, Eric Harris. Eric, thank you very much for the time today. Adam, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I have to say this to you, Eric. So last week I put on the game and I start watching. And I see you come up with one interception and a second interception. And there was a third interception that was nullified by a penalty. And I heard your name before, but I'll be honest. I said to myself, who is Eric Harris? And how did he get to this spot? So I'm going to ask that to you. Who is Eric Harris? Uh, Eric Harris is a hardworking guy um, with a, quite, a, quite a journey um, that had a lot of people that supported him along the way and um, made the most of my opportunities and, uh, you know, it's been a blessing this year has definitely been, you know, a difference as far as being in the scheme for a second year and just getting opportunities, you know, and uh, just trying to capitalize on those opportunities. Now, when you say quite a journey, this is another reason we reached out to you to get you on the podcast today. Let me just boil it down for the people listening right now so they know, and then we'll get into the specifics of it. But you played at a D2 college. You went undrafted in the NFL. You worked in a chip factory. You worked the overnight shift at UPS. And a few years later, finally get a chance to try out in the NFL. Did I get that correctly boiled down to 15 seconds? Yeah, that was a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. So how does somebody go follow that path? Again, from D2 to undrafted to chip factory, UPS, CFL, and later find himself in the NFL. How does that happen, Eric? You know, like I said, um, I had a lot of people in my corner that supported me. Uh, I came across a lot of people that I have good relationships with that uh, kind of had connections with people. And, you know, I just constantly kept working and just kept believing in God that uh, something would come through. And, uh, you know, when opportunities kind of presented itself, um, I made sure I was ready for them. And um, like I said, I had a lot of support throughout. Uh, a lot of people that believed in me continued to trust the process and just kept pushing forward. What's it like to work as a corn mixer at the Utz Potato Chip Factory? Am I pronouncing that right? Utz or is it Utz? I don't even know. Yeah. Nope, you're right. Okay. Some people say Utz. Some people say Utz. Um, it was a. Uh, it was miserable. It was miserable, but uh, it was very humbling, and uh, it was a very humbling experience for me. And uh, it really set my mind on going back to school, finishing out my degree, you know, and continuing with this football thing because it, it it wasn't something that I wanted to do the rest of my life. What was so miserable about it? 11-hour days, 110 degrees in jeans, lifting 50-pound bags, 10 50-pound bags every half an hour for 11 straight hours. So it was um, it, it was hard work. It was hard labor work. And, um, you know, I worked with some guys in there that uh, they were they were hard workers as well. And uh, they were great to be around. And uh, I have a lot of respect for those guys. And just, you know, it wasn't a fun job. But every day they had a smile on their face. And they did, they did it to their best ability. And... You know, 
coming out of there, it was just, like I said, it was very humbling for me. Tougher to go through an 11-hour day at the Us Potato Chip Factory as a corn mixer or tougher to go through training camp? Oh, definitely a corn mixer. Uh, definitely a corn mixer. But uh, training camp is a, a whole different type of, uh, you know, mentality, um, you know, physically and emotionally, uh, mentally. Um, you just got to constantly remind yourself each and every day to be locked in, you know, and uh, to push through it. Everybody feels the way you feel, you know, when you're sore and tired. Everybody feels that way, so you got to mentally be strong enough to get yourself through it and be locked in. Now, were you working as an overnight supervisor at UPS while you were working at the Uts Chip Potato Chip Factory or afterwards? No. So uh, I went back to school to finish up my degree and uh, in order because I was no longer playing football, so I didn't have any scholarship left. Uh, I, went, I worked at UPS, so I started off by loading the trucks first. Um, I was loading all the trucks, putting the boxes in the truck, and then, you know, I needed additional money because um, I couldn't really afford things. And uh, so I uh, applied for the supervisor job. There were a few jobs open, so I applied, and I got one of the supervisor jobs. And basically I became the person that ran the belts, the people that were kind of, you know, telling the loaders, which I was doing, to which trucks to go into, depending on how many boxes were coming into that truck. How many other Eric Harris's? Are there out there like that that are busting their butt in these tedious jobs and hoping and praying that they get the opportunity that came your way? I think I think there's a lot of guys out there like have a similar story to mine. You know, a, a, a few guys have reached out to me, you know, and, and shared their story. And uh, just like me, um, you know, maybe not didn't get the attention they, they uh, deserve or go to a smaller school. So it's kind of harder to be seen. Um, so. You know, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of talent out there, you know, that could be overlooked, you know, but again, the scouts and the NFL departments are doing a great job of finding guys like myself as well. So, you know, you, I think you start to hear more and more stories kind of like mine that are very similar. And uh, I'm sure my story won't be the last one to be heard. But nobody seemed to find you at Division Two California University of Pennsylvania, did they? No, no, it was um, – I had a few NFL teams that, you know – Maybe asked about me when they came through to look at uh, other prospects that were there, um, you know. But you know, I thought I had a solid pro day. But even after that, you know, I didn't get any private workouts or even I was like, just let me be a camp body, uh, you know. Send me, send me to a rookie camp. But there was none of that. It was I went back home and you know, uh, I rolled up my sleeves and I kept at it. And what was the low point of that journey for you, Eric? Um, was there a time you, know, that you thought, you know, this isn't going to happen for me? Yeah, kind of when um, my agent at the time kind of called me and told me, you know, hey, I think it's best that you uh, find a different career. That was kind of like, that was um, that was an emotional day for me. And uh, I just remember taking, taking my frustration out really on myself, I guess you want to say. I just went back to the high school and just was, were running these hills that I used to run in high school for track workouts and uh, I just kept running these hills until basically I just couldn't run and I just sat down and started crying and just you know you know just ask God to you know continue to guide me and I had a faith in him and uh, that everything will work out and um, you know it did it, it wasn't right away but it took some time uh, it took more more trial for me you know and uh, harder times as far as working at UPS and just sticking with it you know I really wasn't eating at all um, couldn't really afford to eat, so you know I would go all day, go to class, work out, you know, maybe play some pickup basketball with a few of my friends, 
And uh, I would go home and eat like a dozen of eggs right before work because <laughs> eggs were cheaper. So really, that's kind of how I got through that last year of school. It's almost like a real-life Rocky story. <laughs> something, something like it. Something like it. Um, it definitely made me uh, made me who I am today, uh, along with a lot of other things. But uh, it was kind of just one of those things that kept you humble, kept you grounded. And I think everything worked out at, in the timing how it was supposed to work out. You know, I, I just see this guy on the track after being told by his agent that he should find another line of work, crying, running up the hills, working himself to exhaustion, not being able to afford to eat, just eating the eggs that he could afford to get, and then all of a sudden breaking through. So how then, from that low point, that emotionally low point, does something change? What changes at that point? Signing the CFL contract was, was huge. It was uh, hmm. it was. It was life for me again. Football came back into my life. Um, sitting out, I can remember sitting out of football one one other time for a year, and that's when uh, I uh, moved from Baltimore to, up to Pennsylvania. I had to sit out in the transition of moving everything, and uh, it killed me. And I was just a young boy at the time, and it killed me to sit out. And then that kind of brought the same feeling back when I sat out the year and not, not playing. So, you know, signing that CFL contract was life-changing for me. I didn't know where I was going to leave, but I knew football was back in my life and, and football was my passion. So uh, it, it gave me an opportunity. We'll get back to more with Raider safety Eric Harris in a moment. But first, a word from ButcherBox. Thanksgiving is just a couple of weeks away. And if you haven't signed up for ButcherBox already, you need to hurry up so you don't miss out on one of their greatest offers ever. If you sign up now, ButcherBox is taking all the stress out of prepping for your Thanksgiving meal by giving new members a free turkey in their first box. That's right, no bumping carts and racing down crowded aisles to claim the last turkey. With ButcherBox, you can get your turkey conveniently delivered right to your door. And like their beef, chicken, salmon, pork, and scallops, you know the turkey you'll be serving from ButcherBox was humanely raised the way it's meant to be with no added hormones or antibiotics ever. In addition to my ButcherBox turkey, you know I'll be sharing some of my ButcherBox favorites this year at the Thanksgiving table. One of my favorites is the ButcherBox sausage and the stuffing. Don't miss out on this amazing offer. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash Schefter today and get a free Thanksgiving turkey plus $20 off your first box. That's ButcherBox.com slash Schefter for a free Thanksgiving turkey plus 20 off your first box. Don't wait. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash Schefter. So you play three seasons for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah. Does anyone in the NFL notice you there? What's the breakthrough to get you to work out, try out, sign with an NFL team? So usually when you're in your last year of your contract up there, um, NFL teams kind of, they call around, get permission to work out, work individuals out, you know, because you're technically you're still in the contract. So I guess case of injury or anything like that, right? Um, so I, I remember the Baltimore Ravens called about me. Um, I thought I was going to get a workout. I was pretty excited about that. And uh, they never called back. So I never got a workout with them. And my good friend, Delvin Bro, who's with the Saints at the time, he is now back up in Hamilton having a great year, uh, CFL contract he uh highest paid corner up there in cfl history so uh he put a word in for me and uh kind of put his neck out there for me and kept telling him hey you gotta look at my guy look at look at my guy and uh all season came around they said hey we're gonna bring him in for a workout so you know i can't thank him enough for for doing that for me you know because it's not easy you know putting your name out there for something you really can't control but obviously he had the confidence in me as, as far as a player and as far as a person for him to do that so you saw with the Saints in February 2016 and actually appeared in four games that year, 
before being released in January of 2017. What do you remember about your time in New Orleans? Because many of the same people are still there today. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, on and on. Yeah. Right. Uh, great organization. Great great organization to be a part of. That locker room was uh, really close. Um, I think you can see that by their celebrations when somebody does something good. Um, nothing but good things to say about that place, you know. And even after I was released, we continued to live there for, you know, another year and a half because of friends that we have made there. And uh, it was a great place to be. Um you know, but after I was released, I remember people calling me, hey, what's next? Are you worried? You know, um, kind of like, you know, after a big injury like that, you, you, you just don't know, right? You don't know what other teams are saying about you. Um, not to mention I'm a little older at the time. And um, so you, you just don't know, right? So, you know, I had confidence that, you know, I put enough good things on film that I would at least get like maybe another tryout or workout. And, you know, I did have a workout. I was at the airport going to Buffalo for for a workout for the Bills, you know, and then next thing you know, agent calls me and says, "Hey, you're going to uh, you're going to Oakland to be on the 53." That's not the same agent that said your dreams are over and you should find new line of work. Is that a new agent, Nicole Lynn, or is that somebody else? That was uh, that was Gil Scott at the time. That okay. was my agent, Gil Scott at the time. So, um, yeah, it was it was crazy. My wife wasn't even home yet, and I was telling her, "Hey, uh, I'm going to Oakland," so I had to go. Check my get my bags. You know, I kind of explained the situation to the people up front, and I was like, I need my bags to go to Oakland. So they had to pull my bags off the uh, the belt that were headed up to Buffalo. So I had to go through security again, and then went and sat at my gate for two hours before I took off to Oakland. So I tried to catch people up the, as much as I could at the, at my gate. So you were on your way to Buffalo to go sign with yep. the Bills, and then you wound up going to Oakland to sign with the Raiders. Yep. <laughs> so got in Sunday night. Got in Sunday night, met with the special teams coach, went over a few things, uh, showed up Monday the next day, and flew out with the team Friday and played on played the Titans on that Sunday. Well, why'd you pick Oakland over Buffalo? Um, more more of a reason. Uh, Buffalo was kind of just a workout. Yeah. Um, Buffalo was just kind of a workout, and Oakland said, "Hey, we're going to sign you to a fifty-three. So to me, it was kind of you know oh, yeah. a no-brainer as far as you know uh, financial decision. You know what's amazing about that? So you get to Oakland. And that's the Jack Del Rio, Reggie McKenzie regime, right? Yep. So you make enough of a mark that the John Gruden, Mike Mayock regime not only keeps you, but signs you to a contract extension in March of 2019, a two-year deal with a little over $1 million in guaranteed money. And you get your starting spot. Did you envision all this happen? What do you attribute that to? Because things have really worked out for you very well in Oakland. God and timing and just opportunity, you know, um, opportunity and just making the most of it. And um, Coach Gruden and uh, Mr. Mayock, I, I love those two guys and pretty good relationship with those two. And they're they're great people, different than any coach GM I've ever been around. So um, it, it's been a blessing, honestly. I've got the chance to work with both those men in television, and they're both yep. incredible at what they do. And they were both great teammates, and it was an honor to work for them. And now you get to work for them as well. When you come off a game like you had last Thursday against the Chargers with the two picks, the pick six on the first two drives of the game, and did they mm-hmm. say anything to you after the game, any message, any anything like that that stands out to you? Coach Gruden gave a few guys that uh, played um, really well in that game, gave, gave a shout-out, you know, uh, locker room was happy, cheering for all of us, and, uh, you know, 
Mr. Mayock, he, he, he had a few words and he told me he was really proud of me and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it means a lot coming from people of that caliber, you know, people that know the game, respect the game, um, and are just good people in general. So it means a lot coming from those people. Well, you know what's interesting? There are so many people in the league who are so talented, who don't always get to take advantage of their talent. What's it like for you coming from your background to see some of these guys who are handed so many things and don't have to work the way that you have had to work and don't have to pay their dues the way that you've had to pay your dues. Do you notice that at all? Yeah, um, it keeps a chip on my shoulder, you know, and I think part of the reason why, you know, the NFL career is, what, two and a half, three years. I think a lot of those a lot of those type of people kind of find their way out after things, after contract things and, you know, politics kind of settle down for them, you know. Um, so I just keep the mindset of, they're always trying to replace me. They're always trying to replace me. That's their job. My job is to protect my job. I got to show up to work each and every day and be the best version of me that I can be. And uh, that's not just performing. That's, you know, having the type of energy I bring to the locker room and to the film room, um, to the meeting room. So, you know, I, I, I constantly remind myself of that and that uh, my energy is contagious, whether it's negative or positive. So I remind myself of that no matter what my, my situation is. So. You know, I just try to be the same person each each and every day, no matter what my role is. I can't imagine you'd have much negative energy, Eric. <laughs> no, I try. I try not to. No. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'm pretty a happy. I'm a happy person. <laughs> well, you, you you got a lot to be happy about. What would be the message that you would give to some of these D two lesser known college players out there today, or somebody who's working in a job that? is aspiring to do more athletically with their life, what would be the message you would give to them? You know, um, continue to work, continue to work and um, be ready when an opportunity presents itself. Um, get yourself in front of as many scouts as you can. Uh, make connections with people. Um, do whatever you need to do. You know, I remember handing my highlights out to uh, scouts at my pro day. You know, just introduce myself. And as, as many times as they can see your face, that they'll start to remember, and it, obviously it didn't work out at the time. But you know, it doesn't doesn't hurt to tr- to try. And the worst thing they're going to do maybe throw it away or not even look at it. So you know, I know I had to do my part. And you know, if you just do your part, uh, things will work out. Let me ask this question: If the NFL had not come through, if Delvin Bro had not helped you get the tryout with the Saints, if the CFL had not come through and giving you the opportunity that you got with the Hamilton Tiger Cats for three years. What do you think you would be doing today, Eric? Um, I got my I got my degree in uh, in criminal justice, and my I went as an elementary education major at first. Um, you know, I have four younger brothers, and I've always been naturally good working with younger kids. And just um, whenever we had camps in high school, I always volunteered. You know, just always tried to make a difference in in, in the youth. You know, because they are our future. So you know, I was going to be a juvenile probation officer, and uh, you know, just to make a difference from guys uh kids and you know adolescents that come to, come from maybe a, a different background and a, a similar background that I came from you know and just you know be a positive light in their life and hopefully change change their lives you know uh, my goal is to change change as many lives as I can and sometimes you talk to 100 people and you might change one life out of the 100 but you know that's always well worth it to me well, that, that's part of the reason I think I wanted to get you on this podcast is for people to hear your story so that it reaches maybe even more than 100 people. Do you still want to be a juvenile probation officer when you're done playing in the NFL? And hopefully that's a long time from now, even though you're 29 uh, years old. 
Not quite that, but I definitely still want to be involved in the community, um, open up a gym, have a leader, leader mentorship program and, and train kids, possibly be a coach one day. And uh, like I said, um, for me, you know, I would probably rather be a high school coach and an NFL coach only because I want to work with younger kids that, you know, aren't fully fully developed as far as um, as their life. You know, they have so much more life to go. And, you know, before they're a, a man and in their, their ways and how they carry themselves, I would like to make a difference before they got to that point of their life. So uh, for me, it's a, it's a big difference. You will have the credentials, at least, of being an NFL player of somebody who's made it from where you have to get to the spot where you become a starting safety. You've landed the million-dollar contract. You've done the things that I think so many people dream about doing. And when you get that performance like you had last Thursday, where you land on the map of so many people, how many texts do you get after a game like that? <laughs> I probably had over 200 text messages, uh, Instagram and Twitter. It was, it was, uh, I had a lot of notifications. And, and I'm, which, I'm, which was I'm the most OCD. meaningful and memorable of them, Eric? What was that again? Which was the most meaningful and memorable of them? Um, you know, seeing it, seeing the text from the, the people that has helped me and supported me along the way and just how much they were, um, how happy they were for me and for my family in the moment, you know, um, people that know my story and uh, to see those people really happy for me, express themselves as far as them being emotional for us. And uh, that really meant a lot to me. You know, um, I said it said it before, and I felt like, you know, playing in the NFL was my dream, but I felt like my dream really came true Thursday night when a lot of 1,000 of people were able to hear my story, my family's story, and our journey. So even though you had made it, you felt like Thursday night was really your NFL arrival? I felt I felt so, you know, and, and mainly because not because I played in an NFL game, but because people people got to hear my uh, the adversity I've dealt with in life, and you know the things that my family has went through, and you know just being able to stick together and through it all, and uh, supporting one another, and you know, and just overcoming and being persistent and uh, resilient to our circumstances. That's outstanding. How has your life changed in the last week since that performance? You know, just more interviews, really. <laughs> Nothing's really changed. Uh, you know, I'm focused. I'm locked in on the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the humbling thing about this whole uh, this business and this profession is you go, we go in uh, yesterday and watch film, and my grade sheet isn't perfect. So um, I'm my own worst critic. And, you know, the plays I didn't make, they, they stick to me more than the plays I did make. And uh, I want to get better each and every week, and I want to be the, be the best at what I do. So, um this this league will keep you humble, and I, I stay grounded, and I find a way to stay grounded. So uh, I'm locked in on the Cincinnati Bengals and how I can, we can get another win and how I can contribute to that. So what did you not do perfect last Thursday night? What, what, what was not perfect about that? Like, that's even a pretty <laughs> perfect performance to me. I was pretty mad after the interception that got called back um, for a penalty. Um, the next play, um, I overshot a gap. And I could have had a tackle for loss in the backfield, but they ended up scoring on that touchdown. And I was more mad about that than my interception being called back. Um, Just small things, missing tackles, um, you know, uh, maybe a communication thing or whatever it may be. You know, I I wasn't perfect in my technique and, you know, stuff like that. So my my goal is to fill up my grade sheets with pluses and uh, a perfection each and every week. 
Eric, you mentioned the Bengals. You have the Bengals this week. Uh, then you have the Jets the week after and at Kansas City the week after that. Again, I know you're preparing for the Bengals, but is it possible for the Raiders to catch the Chiefs and surpass them this year in a year where not many people were expecting Oakland to be on a level playing field with the former reigning AFC West champs? Right. Um, I think this past weekend with it, uh how all the games went. I think anything is possible in this league. You have to show up for every game, no matter what the record is. Um, especially when you uh, when you play rivals in the in division games, anything is possible. So, um, like I said, we'll we'll take one game at a time and focus, you know, and um, keep keep this momentum going. And what is the ceiling for the Raiders this season, Eric? I, th- I think we're capable of going as far as we want to go, as as far as. Uh, as far as guys will allow us to go and be locked in and, and pay attention to all the details each and every week and keep that mindset of all the small things each and every week and, you know, don't lapse and, you know, just stay focused. Well, I got to tell you, it's an honor to get to hear uh, a smaller version of the Eric Harris story. I know that we cannot in 25 minutes sum up your life, but hopefully people have gotten enough of a taste to understand everything that you've been able to overcome to get to where you are, and hopefully you provide inspiration to anybody who's listening to this today. It's an amazing story, and I'm glad that I got to know a little bit more about who Eric Harris is beyond the two-interception performance from last Thursday night, and I thank you for that time, Eric. And I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I've I've watched you for a lot of years now, and I have a lot of respect for your for what you do. And um, I appreciate you uh, having me on and sharing my story and sharing my journey. And I hope any, any viewers or listeners out there, you know, that they're inspired and just know that you guys can do whatever you, you uh, can do and just keep your mind to it. Well, the respect is mutual. I thank you for that. I thank you for the message to all the people listening. And I wish you continued success throughout the course of the season. You got a big Eric Harris fan here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Cap hit. All right, now we turn to my colleague, my friend, the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan. And Evan, we just heard from the Raiders safety, Eric Harris, who made more than a name for himself last Thursday night and performed incredibly well. What is your take on where the Raiders stand in this AFC West race with the Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, Adam, it's incredible. And and I think the thing we have to remember with the Raiders is the backdrop of that ridiculous road trip they had yeah. in the middle of this season where they went basically six weeks without playing a home game. So you put that in perspective where they they kind of survived during that road trip. They went two and three, and now they're back at home where they've won two straight. They're now five and four. They're right in the thick of the AFC playoff picture when you talk about a wild card. And think about this. They play the winless Bengals on Sunday in Week 11, if they win that game, they are tied for the division lead with the Chiefs. Now, I don't think a lot of people would have predicted that 10 weeks into the season. We know Mahomes missed some time, and the Chiefs have their own issues on defense. But the Raiders, with think about the Raiders and where they were coming into the season, the whole saga with Antonio Brown. And now they find themselves in their last season, looks like in Oakland, in, yeah. in prime position for a playoff run. And listen to this. Just take a look at the schedule down the stretch. You could play the schedule game mm-hmm. for every team. Yep. But you played the Bengals at home. I mean, I can't believe the Raiders wouldn't win this game, but right. you never know. Look, we saw this week the Falcons won in New Orleans, the Dolphins win in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it happens. Right. But again, if everything goes the way it should, they take care of the Bengals. As you mentioned, they share first place. The next week they play at the Jets, winnable yep. game. At Kansas City, December 1st, which, in what shapes up to be a game that could be to determine the lead for the AFC West. And let's just say they don't win that game. Right. Come home for back-to-back games. Tennessee and Jacksonville at home before traveling to the Chargers, which is like a home game for them. More than it'll be a road game. And right. at Denver in the last game of the year in a game in which the Broncos, will, I would expect, would be done by then. So it, it's really not a challenging schedule no, down the stretch. It's not. And you look at the teams they're competing with. I mean, nobody is head and shoulders above them. You, t- you talk about the Bills, the Steelers, the Colts. The Titans, if you want to throw the Jaguars in there, they're all kind of, they feel like similar teams. They've, they've shown glimpses. They've been inconsistent. A lot of them have dealt with quarterback injuries. The Raiders, not one of them, but you look at the Steelers, the Colts, and the Jaguars all have. So those five or six teams are kind of bunched together. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Raiders come out and and get one of those wild cards in the AFC. Well, the team that they're competing with, as you mentioned, is the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are on Monday Night Football this week, back to Mexico City. The venue that was supposed to be in place last year before poor field conditions shifted the Chiefs-Rams game that was such a great game to Los Angeles. What about the Mahomes Monday Night Magic, as opposed to the Chiefs defense that's really struggling right now? Right, you've got two things really here in my eyes. And Patrick Mahomes' third career start on Monday Night Football, the first two have been... Uh, memorable is putting it lightly. So the first one was in Denver uh, early in the season last year. He, You remember he threw the left-handed, left-handed pass, pass yep. exactly, to Tyree Kill to convert a key third down on their game-winning drive, uh, a, a win in the final minutes for the Chiefs. And then the other time, you mentioned that Rams-Chiefs game last year. All he did was throw six touchdown passes, a Monday night football record, in a losing effort, which gets us a nice segue to that defense. Yeah. And... Look, we saw it in Week 10 against the Titans, and the Chiefs are giving up over 23 points per game this season. There have only been five teams in NFL history to allow that many points per game and reach the Super Bowl. Man. You put that in perspective, It look, it history says you can't reach the Super Bowl allowing that many points. Now, I know we're in kind of a different NFL, and we've seen these high-scoring playoff games. Look, they lost playoff game 38-31 last year, but... That kind of speaks to the point. You've got Mahomes in this offense scoring 30 points, and you're not winning these games that you should be winning, I think. Amazing. Amazing that happens. All right, Evan, I think we have the Chiefs on Monday night. We've got the Raiders trying to catch them. But I think the best individual matchup of the weekend, Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson, two MVP candidates, two of the three most dynamic young players in the game, along with Patrick Mahomes. What do we make of that matchup? This is a great one, and and it goes back to college. You, you think about them in the 2016 Heisman Trophy. They were 1-2 with Lamar Jackson winning. Deshaun finished second. They played a memorable game uh, in college when Clemson beat Louisville. Uh, Louisville was down huge. Lamar Jackson led them on a big comeback, but it wasn't enough. Clemson won that game. And and now you you look at them in the NFL, and think about all the great quarterback performances we've had this year. You had... Aaron Rodgers threw five touchdowns and ran for a touchdown in Green Bay. You talk about all the great Russell Wilson performances. The three best individual performances of the 2019 season belong to Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson. Hmm. You look at total QBR, which takes everything that a quarterback does. Lamar Jackson has the two highest total QBRs in a single game this year. Week 10 against the Bengals, week 1 against the Dolphins. 
Third on that list is Deshaun Watson in Week 5 against the Falcons. So these guys have done it on an individual game basis. They've done it the entire year. They're the only two quarterbacks to have at least 15 touchdown passes and five rushing touchdowns. They're impossible for the defenses to stop. And I think that's kind of an interesting factor in this game is that the defenses kind of see the opposing quarterback in practice all the time. Now, I don't know how big of a factor that is, but um, and then in the bigger picture, you look at this is a big game for the AFC playoff picture yeah. down the stretch. I mean, th- that's what I think might get lost in the lead up to it on Sunday is that it's all Lamar Deshaun and, and I'm not downplaying it all as I just put the numbers in perspective, as you said before. They are two of the dynamic young quarterbacks. and Forget about young. They are two of the dynamic quarterbacks in this game. I think we yeah. can take the young label away from that. Correct. But you look at the Ravens, who are 7-2, and two, the Texans, who are 6-3. and three, This could end up becoming a huge game that we look back on for playoff season. Here's my question to you. If I gave you the number one pick today, and you could pick either of those quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson, who would you pick first? I would take Deshaun Watson. Close. It's very close, but I would take Watson. I don't have a great reason why. I just, when it comes down to it, I I still, I trust him a little more if it becomes a pocket passing game down the stretch. Now, that being said, Lamar Jackson completed 80% in the last two games. So let's, I think the, uh, the idea that Lamar is just a running quarterback, that's out the window now. But if given the two, I, I think I would take Deshaun. It's a great question. Isn't it really it, right? is. It, it's it's we, we, fascinating. We, we posed that question on the Monday night countdown set as we were in San Francisco yeah. during one of the breaks, and I thought about it, and I'm like, wow, who would you take? Like, you could make an argument for each one. You really could. And I think I'd take, no disrespect to Lamar Jackson, the show, <laughs> I think I'd start with Mahomes. Yeah. Okay? I think he'd be my first pick. I just, I just love watching that guy play, but, man, Lamar and Deshaun, they're not far behind, and they are changing the game as we know it, and they are fascinating to watch, and it's going to be a great matchup on Sunday. All right, we also have on Sunday a Super Bowl 52 rematch, the Patriots and the Eagles. What do we think of that? Yeah, Tom Brady referenced it earlier this week about uh, that game certainly still sticking with them, and Philly special, you remember that that game had everything in it that Super Bowl, but this will be the, the this will be Carson Wentz under center for the Eagles, uh, Nick Foles in that game. So this will be Wentz's first start against Brady. Both teams kind of coming off a bye. Patriots coming off a loss in their previous game against the Ravens with uh their worst defensive performance this year. And um you look at Brady in this offense and dating back to week 4, it's really an offense that hasn't really gotten things going. Tom Brady's total QBR is below average. Uh, under 50, and I know you've mentioned some of the guys that they may be getting back on offense, but an interesting game with both teams coming off a bye that I don't know if I'd be surprised if the, the Eagles won that game at home uh, against the Patriots, despite the Patriots being 8-1. and one. I don't know how you feel about that, Adam, but it, certainly one of the, the interesting, you always have these interesting games between teams and opposing conferences later in the year yeah. um, that you can kind of project ahead, um, and, and that's one this weekend. Well, It's a fascinating matchup, and I would bet that Tom Brady's going to be thinking about what it would have been like to beat the Eagles in that Super Bowl and what Mm -hmm. it would have done furthermore for the Patriots' place in history, although it's secure enough as it is. And I'm sure Carson Wentz will wonder what it would have been like for him to play in that Super Bowl. Exactly. Leading the Eagles against the Patriots. It should be a great matchup, and 
You said you like the Eagles in that game, huh, Evan? Well, I don't, I don't like the Eagles. That's not what I said. I, I said I would not be surprised ah. if the Eagles won that game. I just think coming off a bye at home, um, I wouldn't, I, I think it'll be a close game, but look, it, Bill Belichick with two weeks to prepare, um, it, it would be tough to pick the Eagles. I, I just meant, um, I don't yeah. think, I think it'll be a tight game. And you look at the, and, and this is one more interesting note about this game. Brady, if you go back to, you know, so the Super Bowl and then their previous regular season matchup, he also lost against the Eagles. It would be certainly a rarity for Tom Brady to lose three straight games to the same opponent. I mean, that's only happened against three teams in his career against the Colts, Broncos, and the Giants previously in his career, if you include the playoffs. So Tom Brady losing three straight games to the same opponent. I don't know. So. Now I think I've talked myself into a and it. Would also, it, would also mean, it would also mean that coming off a loss against the Baltimore Ravens before uh, their bye week, that the Patriots would have lost two straight games yep. in the regular season. And and something about that seems hard to imagine as well, because that's just not the kind of thing that the Patriots do, especially when they're given an extra week to prepare for this game, as the Eagles were as well coming off a bye week of their own. But hard to imagine the Patriots losing two straight games. But listen. Yeah. They've lost the Eagles before. It could happen again. And and to quote you, you would not be surprised. If I would, the Eagles I would won not this game. be surprised. But but we'll see where we are next week when uh, it was. It's probably thirty-one, thirteen Patriots, and they're nine and one on the season. All right, Evan. I appreciate the time. Enjoy Week Eleven, and we'll talk to you during Week Twelve. Sounds good, Adam. Thank you. That's ESPN analytics guru Evan Kaplan. Before we get to your Ask Adam questions. First, a word from Vivid Seats. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice all on the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better... Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. All you need to do is use the Vivid Seats app to purchase tickets and start earning today. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code ESPN25 for 10% off your next order. That's promo code ESPN25 for 10% off. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. Ask Adam. We should ask Adam. All right, time for your Ask Adam questions. We appreciate everybody sending in their questions. We're going to try to answer as many as we can today. Keep those questions coming. And thanks again for everybody. And we bring in my fine producer, my friend Travis Rockhold, and he will be firing off the questions and ask Adam this week. Travis? All right, the first question, Adam, is one of the latest news coming out of the NFL this week is the status of Vernon Hargraves. What exactly went down to facilitate him getting released? Well, you heard over the weekend, the Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians criticized him for not hustling during the course of the game. That was strike one. 
He also has underperformed in general. That's strike two. They met as an organization, and I think that people are going to say, well, this is a Bruce Arians decision, but I was told it was as much Jason Light, the general manager, as it was Bruce Arians, and I think that they just viewed the body of work, the lack of hustle, the feelings of the people in the organization, and said, you know what? We know he's a first-round pick, but we're moving on from him. We're not going to accept his play right now, and they made the decision on Tuesday to place him on waivers. What are some of the teams that might be looking at picking up Vernon Hargraves? Well, Trav, what's going to happen is he gets placed on waivers Tuesday. The deadline will be 4 o'clock on Wednesday. My guess is as a first-round pick, a former first-round pick, somebody will claim him on the talent alone, whether that's Miami or Cincinnati or some team near the bottom of the pile because he's got talent. And they'll figure, you know what, let's just, take a run and trying to bring it out of him the rest of the season. I think he gets claimed on waivers on Wednesday. And we saw some key injuries last night in the Monday Night Football game. Tyler Lockett, Emmanuel Sanders. What's the status of their injuries? Well, I was told that Tyler Lockett is going to be okay, whatever that means. They're on a bye this week, and then they come back next week. Now, they didn't want him to fly back because of the swelling in his legs. They felt like it would have been dangerous. But when you heard Pete Carroll's tone after the game, it sounded very disconcerting, very worrisome. Uh, Tyler Lockett, we've had on this podcast, uh, love that guy. I mean, he's a special individual, a lot like Eric Harris. And you hope that he's going to be okay. You hope he's not going to miss time. But first and foremost, we just hope he's going to be all right. And the early indications seem to be that he will be. Emmanuel Sanders had that rib injury. Look, he knew right away. You saw the replay, grabbed the ribs, came right out of the game, didn't even try to come back in. Uh, he's having an MRI as we tape this on Tuesday. We'll see what that MRI determines They've got to turn around right away, get ready for the Arizona Cardinals. I I wouldn't be surprised if he misses some time. I don't know how much time that'll be. Uh, It'll depend on the MRI results, but I would think that it'll be a surprise if we see Sanders play on Sunday. Pittsburgh Steelers, they lost Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, and then Ben Roethlisberger got hurt. Is Mike Tomlin the coach of the year right now, or if not, who would be? Well, listen, you can make this argument every single week. I still think that you look at the top teams and you find the best performances. Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur, Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, uh, John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin. We've got half the season to go, basically, and somebody is going to distinguish himself in the second half of the season and earn those honors. There are enough worthy candidates. Mike Tomlin is right there. But I think, you know, what's amusing about that is that, correct if I'm wrong, there were a lot of people at this time last year, saying that Mike Tomlin had lost control of the team. Players tuned him out. His message wasn't getting through. Time for the Steelers to make a coaching change. There was a lot of that talk last year. And the Steelers did what the Steelers do, which is remain patient, not rush to any decisions. I don't even think they considered replacing Mike Tomlin. And that's how it should be. It's great speculation amongst fans, fun fodder for sports talk radio hosts, but... It wasn't going to happen, and and I see now, I think we all see exactly what kind of coach Mike Tomlin is. He's a great football coach, and if the Steelers wanted to fire him, he'd have a job in five minutes. So, again, it's the nature of the business to try to run off these coaches, to get them fired right away, Uh, but the truth of the matter is sometimes there's some really good coaches here. All right, they went to the Super Bowl last year, but they've been struggling, and so we have one fan wanting to know how nervous should he be about the Rams especially on offense. Well, what I find worrisome for the Rams is that their offensive line was really struggling to begin with. And now they're in a situation where, if you look at it, they have lost their offensive tackle, Rob Havenstein, out for Week 11. 
and center Brian Allen is done for the season with an MCL injury. So not that these guys were Pro Bowl offensive linemen. I mean, they, they were good, solid players, but the line was struggling. And now you take two starters out of there and you put two new starters in and it's a difficult thing to have to overcome, and they're struggling along right now, and I think they get the Bears on Sunday. Tough matchup. So I don't know where and how they fix the offensive line, um, but they've got some real challenges ahead of them starting this week. And what's the latest with Matthew Stafford and what's going on with his injury? Travis, it's a week-to-week deal. Uh, Again, when we reported on Sunday that he wasn't going to play, I was told at that point it could be a week, it could be three weeks. That's exactly how it was phrased to me at that point in time. Knowing that, my guess is we don't see him this week, okay? That this is fractured bones in his back. It takes him time to heal. He wanted to play, and this guy is so tough. Had started 136 consecutive games, the sixth longest streak in quarterback history. And, again, if it were up to him, he would have been out there on Sunday against the Bears. But the doctors basically shut him down, saying, you're not going. You're not playing. And that was when the Lions turned to Jeff Driscoll, and we saw what happened there. And they want to get Stafford back, but again, I think they'll take some time here. It'll be a little slower. Uh, wouldn't be a surprise if he didn't play this week. But again, it's a week-to-week injury on Matthew Stafford with fractured bones in his back. And last question. We'll go back to Tampa. Yeah. What do you think Bruce Arians does with Jameis Winston at the end of this year? Well, his contract's up, and Bruce Arians is a big Jameis Winston fan. And I think Jameis Winston has played pretty well this year. Now, again... You can say, let's move on from him. But if they moved on from him right now, who would they turn to? They've got Ryan Griffin there as a backup. I like Ryan Griffin. He was very impressive in the preseason. But are you going to turn the franchise over to Ryan Griffin and expect great things? I don't know if you can do that. I think the best thing to do is to bring back Jameis. Uh, maybe try to draft another young quarterback in the middle round. See if you can develop him. Find buried treasure somehow, some way. And see if James can carry along. The thing about James is he plays really well at so many junctions. But then he just makes some mistakes sometimes that just offset the great play. And I, I think that they're really happy with how he's progressing. They want him to make fewer mistakes. Um, right now, I think that they're open to re-signing him. I think they're interested in re-signing him. But... Again, what's the alternative if you move on from him? And I don't know if there's an obvious answer at this point in time. Thank you all for submitting your Ask Adam questions this week. Some great questions as usual. Really appreciate everybody sending them in. Special thanks to the Raiders safety, Eric Harris, who has an inspirational story and provides hope for all those who dream of doing something more and something bigger. Eric Harris, hard not to root for somebody like that. And special thanks to the ESPN analytics guru, Evan Kaplan, for his insights into the Week 11 matchup. Should be another great week of football. And a special thanks to all of you for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Thank you for listening this week. Hope you enjoy the games this weekend. We'll be back in this space again next week. Have a great week, everybody.